Bam, 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 bam. Damn, boys. Damn. Yes, sir. How are we doing today? I think people really like you. We got a lot of good attention around the fact that you're coming on the show. Um, my buddy uh, Austin from Battle Bunker. You know Austin Alexander? He's yeah, what's up, on the dude? Show. What's up, Austin? Dude, people love like him, you, love the dude. bunker. Austin's a great guy. It's because there's a lot of sex appeal in these pictures. I asked for Jake to send me pictures, and he basically sent me a bunch of softcore porn photos. Oh, like, yeah, like if you ask Hunter for photos, they're going to be any different. What are you talking about, <laughs> dude? It's all buttoned up. It's all buttoned up. I'm a Christian man. Would never show skin. Don't be fooled, folks. Don't be fooled. I don't know, man. It'd be harder to see who's the um, the more delinquent between the two of us. I, I, have, I was trying to come up with some stories just to kind of feed people into how we know each other. And I was just like, man. Got to be selective. So, Got to be selective. <laughs> I mean, there's some there's some in there that I'm like, fuck, the world should know about this. But I don't know if it uh, presents value for either of us. It's maybe best kept between us. Um, <laughs> but. Fair. To give people some some context on uh, my boy Jake here, a handful of years ago, I was blessed with the opportunity to have a workout program on a on a platform called OpenFit, which is was owned by Beachbody, now has been absorbed by Beachbody, and uh, I had this program called T minus thirty through Tough Mutter, and it was a extremely rigorous thirty day program and. We designed this thing, and like I'm sure a lot of you guys have probably done P90X, and you've done Insanity. They're fucking hard. I mean, Ryan, you've done a couple of their programs, right? P90X3, yeah, T25, and, and Max30. 30. Max30 30 is a giant beast and just oh, dude, killer every day. And get then some. I just realized that you guys still have your T-30, so I've loaded a couple of those up too. You better start doing it, dude. I bet you'd be more buff than the regular house programs. So. Oh, dang. We're going through these castings. I'm the lead guy, and they're like, hey, Hunter, you got to have, you know, six people behind you. We need, you know, three girls, three guys. And I'm like, okay. So we really only have these these workouts that we're putting people through five-minute workouts, and I'm calling out the shots, making them do the workouts. And all these gorgeous fitness models come in, like, you know, girls, like 5'10", like hourglass figure, beautiful dudes, big buff shoulders, ripped abs, fucking legs and biceps. And I'm like, damn. And then there's Jake. And then there's Hunter. Yeah, but here's the thing. I'm, I'm questioning myself now at this point. I'm like, I don't think I should be the front man. These guys all look so good. And then all of a sudden I start calling out the commands. I'm like, all right, guys, 30 seconds, jumping, like, we'll start air squats. All right, everybody down on the ground, 30 seconds mountain climbers. Now we're going to do 30 second pike ups. Now we're going to do some jumping lunges because you just got to keep the beat and you have to like show struggle, but it has to be Hollywood struggle. Like you can't really be struggling because this is a fucking show. And if you're struggling, you're wrecking the show. Like you're, you're, you're basically deterring people who want to do the program to do the program because it looks so tough. Everyone's blowing out. And I look over and I see this one dude and he just doesn't stop. And I'm like, who the fuck's this guy? And he's got this tight military cut, ripped to shreds, got some hard tats, tan, just Hollywood right off the beach tan. And... <laughs> I nicknamed the so in New York, out, in New York, in New York, in the dead of winter, by the way. So these were all um, filmed in New York, all filmed in New York City in like Brooklyn and like, you know, some dumpy. I mean, listen, it's what was probably the best thing for us. But we were in some like brick 
bricked out, dumpy, uh, like warehouse, warehouse space in studio. Brooklyn. It was, it was great. It was Bushwick. It was nice. It, it was. But so we start putting out the cards afterwards and like, all right, who are we going to pick? And I just immediately point at Jake's card. And I was like, that dude, his nickname is nonstop Jake. That dude did not stop. He is going to be part of the show. And he's my lead man because when everybody starts to falter, I'm going to lean on this guy. And they're like, okay. And that's how we got the nickname nonstop Jake. And we then threw ourselves into the depths of, you know, this was a pretty intensive thing. We had one month build time where we had to do all like the choreographing and stuff. And then we had two weeks of filming, correct? Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Or three. I forget. It was fucked. I, at one point, this dude, just by the way, this workout program was so intense that I thought that I got an STD. Oh, I yeah. had, I had, I went on a date yeah. with a girl. Oh, um, yeah. This is crazy. <laughs> I thought I went on a date with a girl and um, I'll be honest, like, you know, we got together, we connected very well. And a couple days later, you know, it's burning like crazy when I'm peeing mm. and I'm like, Oh God. I was like, I've never picked up anything at this point, and I'm in the I'm in the depths of filming, like a peak, like a, one of the highlights of my life and my career. And I call the producer and I say, dude, I can't come into work tomorrow. Like I am, I need to go and get this checked out. Like I'm dying. They're like, we don't have time to stop filming. We're calling a doctor and we're getting oh, this done, dude. Right this, now. That was when uh, the director didn't give you any sympathy either because she used to shoot porn. Yep. Wow. <laughs> Did, didn't give a shit. She was like, you're gonna be at work tomorrow. And uh, we're getting you the doctor right now. Play I through. go. Play through. I go and, you know, I whip it out in front of the guy. He's astonished. He's like, this is great. Um, this but is a beautiful specimen. <laughs> this is great. This is already a great start. But he runs my piss and he's like, dude, I don't think you have anything wrong with you. He's like, you're just so chronically dehydrated that you're mm. like you're peeing out like salt crystals. They're like precursors to a kidney stone. Oxalates. It'd be like rhabdo. I don't even know, man, but it was cutting up my urethra and mm. what was happening is we were filming and they were, they have <laughs> supplements that they sell also through the company and I'm drinking five pre-workouts a day. We're filming three to four spots a day in front of these cooking hot lights and I'm basically destroying my body from the inside out. Um, <laughs> luckily, like I'm so, I mean, honestly, I think the reason why Jake and I are such good friends is because we survived it. It is a freaking hard job. It is no joking around. It's just like, hey, man, you're back out again. Hey, man, you're back out again. And I'm sorry I just went on a total rant, but Jake has been a good friend of mine for five years now, and I want people to understand the reason why Jake is such an incredible person is he's a show-up, get-shit-done kind of dude, and I could see it from the start. And also, there's no layer of bullshit beyond it. Like he gives you exactly what he can give you and there's no, Hey, what do I get in return? Hey, like it's not a greased up pole here, dude. He's just a hard hitting dude. And now let's just get into the nitty gritty and get to know Jake really well. Um, so but thanks I, for coming on the show. By the question way. about filming and everything. So let, let's say it. you, you do a great job of like when the camera's on, there's no flub ups. There's, there's no type of like stumbling on words. So let's say you're having a bad day. You get through, it's at the end of the 92nd cycle of the, the uh, circuit that you're doing and you mess up and you're like, Oh, I guess we don't have any other time. And like, it's a total mess up. Do you have to go back to the beginning and film that whole thing over? Or it's like, all right, 30 seconds before we were here, just say the words that you were, you were, going to say again but don't mess them up this time 
or do you make the whole crew and the whole buddy on on the floor do that entire like 90 second circuit again a little bit of both depending yeah. on the take we didn't yeah. fuck up that much though we didn't because i remember when we did and it was like fuck we got to do that whole <laughs> thing again it was like y'all that's not happening again and i remember hunter being like uh okay this is what we're gonna do today this is the schedule this is the sequence of events da, 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 da. and hunter was great like you said ryan hunter was pretty much first take got it done could ad lib it well could free flow and i was like this yeah. is fucking, this is great it's just us show up be in position get the work done cut but those times we would mess up or hunter would say hey this is what we're doing and then one day i think one of the first couple days we were shooting i was like dude you said blah 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 that we were gonna do blah 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 blah, blah. and he goes yeah well i lied <laughs> I was like, okay, <laughs> fuck, curveball. <laughs> but I loved Dude, it. You know, the these are tougher. these are twenty-four minute takes. By the way, these wow. are twenty-four minute takes, and, and we're doing like five a day. Yeah, they're twenty-four minute takes, and you know it's fun. They put over like they put like a squat rack in the background <laughs> with like weights, and we would just go over and just throw down on two twenty-five hard as fuck just to get our our mojo Let's flowing. Yeah. yeah. And dude, you got to understand, like, none of these movements are BS. Like, you can – V-sit-ups might as well be one of the hardest movements out there. You can take a twenty pair of 20-pound dumbbells and ruin a person. Yes. Oh, and, dude, I remember the first day after the casting. We we still had – after we got cast, we had, like, another weed out the first day of rehearsals. You remember that, Hunter? And yeah, you did, yeah, yeah. we did the, the three movement with the dumbbells and we couldn't put them down where it was yeah, uh, death by dumbbells. Yeah. Swings. They didn't want that, that name. Dude, I called it death by dude, dumbbells. And like everybody was breaking and we lost like, you know, half the, half the cast right there. Which is wow. pretty crazy. And you know, it's funny. This is my most popular thing right now. I get messages from two to three random people a day, sometimes a half a dozen people a day that I've never met before. And you've told me people have walked up into airports and stuff and be like, yo, you're Jake. I had a cab driver on my birthday or an Uber driver on my birthday in New Orleans of all people, of all places. I'm from New Orleans. I was there for my birthday this past year. And this is like three o'clock in the morning. I'm never out that late, but it was my birthday celebrating with friends. And this guy's dropped me off and he's like, man, I know you from somewhere. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> Oh God, like where, you know, I don't know what this, where this could be going. And then he starts saying, he's like, man, you're nonstop Jake or you're on tough mutter. I was like, I was like, who, dude, who put you up to this? You know, where's the camera in here? Where, how am I being taken or whatever? But that, and then one time at a, a hotel with my mother, I heard my mom scream from the other room because she was flipping the channels and our thing was on like a demand stream or something. She was like, Oh my God, I can't believe this is on the hotel channel. You know, honey's on television. Yeah. Saturday morning, you're sitting on your couch after a hangover with you're eating your donut and you're like, damn, I should probably do that. And when it's filming through all your beach body things you could do. It was an incredible opportunity, man. It's such a cool company. And like, I'm grateful to this day, more grateful for the friends that I've made. We had some really nutty people on that cast. Angelo top of the list. Yeah. He was fun. Top top of the list um so i mean it's hard to describe you because like you sent me over your resume and your modern day renaissance man um which is awesome like these are the people that i want to have in my life like if i have a deck of cards you only have 52 cards like you're one of the top people that you want to put in that deck because i think not only is it nice to have somebody in your life that is um multifaceted interesting but also dynamic but shows the fuck up on all of those pages and you're one of those kind of dudes so Same, um 
let's say let's just say chapter one of your life. I mean, like obviously you had your youth, um, you grew up where you you know, you ended up becoming a Marine, but what was the thing that led you there? Were, were you always a hard hitting dude? Cause I used to like throw rocks at windows, smoke weed and, and climb trees. I was not the first iteration of Hunter McIntyre was not a reflective point of where I am now, but I mean, that was just me as a kid. Was there anything that was a massive indicator that kind of was a, a early projection of where you are now? Yeah. The opposite, you know, similar to yours throwing rocks, breaking windows, lighting shit on fire, smoking weed and Which feeling so really odd. inadequate, you know, had a huge inferiority complex about life and about myself, man. Self-esteem was me. I used a lot of interest and excitement and high energy to kind of mask my own internal fear that I had because my parents got divorced when I was a kid. My mother left when I was young still. And I was with my father and his wife who had an affair behind my mother's back for like eight years of their marriage. And then had to live with them being portrayed as my parents to all of my friends. So like the home front that I grew up on was basically a facade. So to me, going to the military was a luxury <laughs> to get away from what I felt growing up with was, you know, so much of a fucking lie. Heavy. We, I mean, we, uh... <laughs> we just drop a bomb right on there to Dang. start. <laughs> I, you know, I just I'm, I'm, like, I don't cover that shit up anymore. You know what I mean? Yeah. So like when someone asks me now, I'm like, I'm going to fucking tell you straight up because fuck them. I'm not covering their tracks anymore. And like I had to eat it for, you know, 35 some odd years of my life before. And it's now I'm like, I'm telling the truth, dude. Oh, dude, I, I'm, we'll dive in that in two seconds. But I just want you to notice that someone showed up in the corner to say hi to you. Yeah. He probably doesn't uh, recognize me. It's Alex. Yeah. Holy shit. I didn't. Clark Kent with no. his glasses on. No, Austin Alex. Austin, Austin, Austin Alexander. Right, Hunter, Hunter, we call him Alex all the time, too. <laughs> yeah, Hunter. Dude, he's like, just... hey, Alex. Uh, I mean, uh, what's your name? I'm like, Austin. He's like, oh, okay. Dude, let's legally what's change up, your brother? name at this point, dude. <laughs> See, this why, is why Hunter and I get along. We both throw rocks at broke shit. We both smoke weed. We both call Austin Alex. Yep. Yep. <laughs> dude, uh, what's well, up, just, man? Uh, I saw that you were on the show this morning. I didn't know you guys even knew each other. Dude, we we've been we I mean we we broke it down a little bit, but he and I worked together on a project in 2018. Yeah, yeah, so yeah, yeah, homies, yeah. real real tight crew. Yeah, I've, uh, we, I've got we, a story. We both about... peed with our shorts around our ankles and saw each other in the bathroom like that. Was like, okay, That's we can so go along, lame. you know. That's perfect. friends. I've got a story about uh about Jake. You know, I was at this seal swim, <laughs> and I was just a pogue. You know, I was just a uh, regular Navy dude, and I was around all these Navy seals and former Navy seals and. Nobody would speak to me. And then here comes Jake. Never met him before. He's like, what's up, dude? He's like, I'm Jake. Where are you from? Like one of the only guys that uh, was that was nice enough to introduce introduce himself to me. Oh, dude. Hard to go, dude. Y'all are going to make me cry, man. I was, it, was, it was like it was me being there as the Marine. I was right there with you, Austin. You know, yep. I was surrounded by all these fucking seals. And I'm like the lonely devil dog. Everybody's like, dude, what did you get lost on the wrong? You get on the wrong bus. You know, I'm like, yeah, yeah. ha ha ha. I get it, too. Is this where you guys like, swam to the uh, Statue of Liberty? Yeah. Yeah, man. Yes. From the, the Statue of Liberty. I felt like I was dying the first mile, by the way. And eventually it was like rip. it was like 3.7 miles total swim. Oh my God. Did you guys have a chemical bath afterwards? It's a, no. it's a pretty good shower, but like I, w I went out in, in my clothes, in my swim shorts that night. Really? Dude, everybody changed. And like to go out, I was like, I'm literally going out in the silkies and the t shirt mm -hmm. they gave us for the day of the event. And like 
I'm going to bring a girl home and she's going to love me for what I am. There you go. There you go. I was shaking water out of my ears like two weeks after that. And it was like <laughs> brown, black water. You're not you know supposed to swim in that stuff, right? Jake, do you know the capacity that Austin and I work in together? Have you I heard don't. of Battle Bunker? I, I've, I've seen the bunker. Yeah. Like I love yeah. the challenges and seeing guys in the fucking parking lots, ripping pull-ups, squats, like that, that old guy that banged out, what was that like 50 something or a hundred reps? A hundred reps of one thirty-five. He's like sixty-two years old or whatever. Mm -hmm. How much did you sick. give him per squat? What? How much did you give him per squat? It was a dollar per squat. Damn. Yeah. Pretty sick. I bet you that guy's scoliosis now, but he definitely went home, just bought himself a bottle of whiskey, poured some on his back, and the rest in his mouth. <laughs> Probably so. Yeah, he's an old. Uh, he's an. He's an. He's a Navy veteran. Yeah. So, uh, I'm going to try to drag Jake into the pipeline this year. I mean, he's a super fit guy. We're going to get into all that, get all the facets of him. But, I mean, honestly, um, we're spreading the good word. I, you're one of the people that we should be directly looking for. I mean, honestly, we're trying to get inspire the world through, uh, like, you know, incredible soldiers and first responders. You're top of the list, champ. You mean Marines? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, is that oh. – can you not call a Marine a soldier? No, he would be no. a service like member a or a troop but yeah, soldier would be specifically to the army. That's really? like if, it, mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, it's it's. So it's you're like a if, sailor. Yes. Oh. I I was, or am. Jake is a marine. Once a marine, always a marine. You we're both we're both mariners. We're both, uh, you know, watermen. You can say. I mean, the Marine Corps is a department of the Navy, so we're so the we're highest level of the Marine same. Corps is a, is an admiral, correct, or a general. General Admiral to the Navy. Mm. So much confusion going on here, boys. I mean, I just read read a whole Marine book, and I was confused half the time. <laughs> it's a Suppose lot of lingo, a lot of acronyms, because we're not always the sharpest tools in the shed, so we need the shortcuts of how to remember stuff. Really Supposedly, well. the way that um, we won the Japanese-American War was basically with Marines, and Marines were so terrifying to the... I mean, I was just going to say the Asiatic area because, you know, you're fighting a bunch of different people in there, but mostly the Japanese and the Chinese for a while. But you guys were known to be like, you know, to wreck, uh, wreck, rape and pillage, just not really rape, but I'm saying just absolutely crush Demolish. And the thing that was really the thing that was really, really you guys were known for is you used to wear the sleeve, like used to wear the sleeve. Girls walk like this. The fuck is that? <laughs> Who's who's listening to all the pretty? I was girls like, ones? is that an intro to this? What he's story is about to tell. <laughs> this is cool. You guys used to wear um, yellow uh, casings over your calves and sleeves, and any time it was seen, you guys were seen. The opposing uh, army would just bolt. Yeah, the because stirrups. you guys were just so crazed. And the if the regular army came, they'd be like, "Let's just crush these guys. They're just regular army guys." But when the Marines came. They basically wore those yellow pants, and they were known to be crazed. They were like the devil of the land. So if you guys got a pair of yellow uh, yellow slacks, you should put them on at all times. <laughs> like, I you noticed you were, you, you've got some uh, yellow pants. Is that why you bought them? 100%, dude. Hey, okay. Nifty. Okay. Everybody run for the hills. I went hunting in these pants. They got some duck. All right, boys, I'm going to tune out. Nice to speak with you. Nice to talk with you, Jake. It's we'll good see to see you, Austin. Soon. I'll see you. Hey, guys, John, see you later. Be well. Oh. That was a good intro. What a, uh, surprise. what a surprise, dude. Hey, he's a good fella, dude. He's awesome. So, 
you end up going through the arc of being a young man. I think all of us have our own versions of that story. Some are a little more docile than others. And then all of a sudden you choose the path of the Marines. Um, how, why Marines? Uh, and, you know, tell us a little bit about that experience. Cause I wanted to be a Navy SEAL and they See, wouldn't let me in. Why, this is why we're, we are so, <laughs> we get along so well, man. When I went to the recruiter's <laughs> office, the first office I went into was the Navy because my uncle was in the Navy. He was with the teams. And that to me was the pinnacle, the elite. And I was like, I'm going there. That's what I'm doing. First of all, men do. <laughs> first off, let me rewind. I walked out of an undergraduate class to go do this. Cause I was like, this is fucking boring. I don't feel like being here. The war was coming. This is like January, 2003. I knew what was you know, going to happen within a few months it was going to be the, the Vietnam era or generation Vietnam of my generation of our generation. I was like, I want to go get some of that and blow some shit up and play in the mud. So left class, walked to the recruiter's office because it was right by the university I was at and went into the Navy office. And when the guy came to shake my hand, he didn't give me like a formal traditional handshake. He gave me like a cool or I don't know, casual kind of handshake. The Navy like, guy? It up. Yeah. Like not with a pound, but just like, yo, what's up, man? Like that. And I was like, yeah, I don't really like that. And uh, he was like, Hey, do you want to sit down and talk? I was like, yeah, I'll be right back, man. And I went into the Marines office. And as soon as I go in there, the guy's like, hey, what's going on, hard charger? And just boom, you know, like solid, firm, break my hand, handshake. And I was like, that's it. I'm, this, this is where I'm guy. going. Yeah. I'm not a violent man, or at least I'm a tame version of a violent man. But if someone shakes my hands where they crunch the tip of your fingers and don't grab that meat of the palm – Someone's going to die. And I hate that. I hate and that it usually too. is such these like some little fucking beta bitches that get a hold of your fingers and just <laughs> crunch you right there. And I'm like, you're fucking you know how dead you avoid to me. that. You're dead to me. What? You, you, you turn it sideways. So if you turn it, if, if they're really digging in on you, you turn it sideways <laughs> and then turn them belly up. Yeah. Or yeah. Yeah. You go like that. Then they can't, they can't get the, the, the wedge on you. Total, total change of subjects, but it's aligned with what we're saying. I studied this whole thing on how politicians and assertive people in power, like the the power handshake, is the t over the top mm. for the dominance. Yeah, for the dominance. For the and dominance. Like, you just got to study people like that. Um, but you know, so this guy gave you guy gave you the meaty handshake. He gave you a solid one, and you're like, "This is it. These are my people." Yep, straight up. And that's what I based the decision on. And I started signing the papers just a few minutes after that. Now, my father was also a Marine. I never had pressure from him to join the Marine Corps. I would say that I certainly looked up to that and thought it was cool, but I never had any family pressure. If anything, they encouraged me not to go into the military and to go to school and get an education first. But, you know, being a good child, I didn't listen to my parents and did exactly the opposite. <laughs> I went and spent the... Uh, weekend in Detroit, Michigan. My grandfather just turned 93. Happy birthday. This man's capacity is that of 10x, all three of us combined. He can read a three to 400 page book in an hour. Was the editor of the, you know, editor of the uh, Pontiac, I think it's called the uh, Oakland Press, which was basically the biggest, um, you know, the paper for the biggest city in the world at the time, Detroit, when it was like really in its boom era. This guy was just a freak. He was in the military and he did counterintelligence, went over to Germany and was doing spy material on other spies mm. post-World War II. 
And we were downstairs flipping through all of his stuff and reading all of these secret service books from back in the day in the 1950s. And it's just interesting. Like, I know you just said your dad was in the Marines. Your uncle was in the Navy. I don't know how much it is on top of your family, but our grandfather never talks about it. I don't know if he's covering up something. I don't know if your family's that way. You talk about the Marines like it's one of the first notes that you come up to, but I don't know why older generations of people like just don't mention it. My father never mentioned anything to me about it until I came back. It was either when I came back from boot camp or right before I left. It was the first time he ever talked to me about anything about it. Was he in Vietnam? Mm-hmm. Heavy. Um, yeah. He didn't mention anything as a child. I mean, I knew of his career, of course from pictures and stuff on the wall, but like never talked about it. And then I think it was the day before I left, the night before I left, he sat down and told me a few things and just basically encouraged me and, you know, welcome to the brotherhood. Da, 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 da. And then off I went. Did you ever deploy? I did. I went uh, to Okinawa in 2006 with what's called wow. a the Marine expeditionary unit. So like we have these things that go around globally every year and several times a year to kind of keep presence in certain parts of the world. A lot of times there's training exercises or counter training exercises involved where we're doing like things with the Filipino Marines or the Indonesians or the Thais or the Australians. We're doing like joint task force exercises. And if needed, joint task force combat, a la, you know, in OIF and OEF for Operation Iraqi Freedom and Enduring Freedom. So for us, it was go to Okinawa, venture around throughout the Pacific, stops in Indonesia and a bits in the Philippines. And we were actually looking for Abu Sayyaf, Islamic terrorist cells that were kind of going through the predominantly Catholic Philippines and impressing Islamic terrorism on some of the kind of rural parts of the land. And we were doing training exercises with the Filipino army at the same time, trying to look for these guys. Never found them, of course, but humping around in the jungles sucks. So you should read about Chesty Puller. I should read about Chesty Puller. You should fucking read more about Chesty Puller. I'm just double checking. Just double checking. If you haven't, how many navy? Just... How many navy crosses does he have? Five. Impressive. Yeah. How many? How many non-judicial punishment charges does he have? How many courts martial does he have? I think they Don't tried to. Car- <laughs> anyway, Jesse's famous for saying, "You're not a marine unless you've been NJP'd or had proceedings of a non-judicial punishment," meaning that marines are supposed to get in trouble. They're supposed to go against the grain. They're supposed to bang their heads against the wall you know being too clean is not being a marine in chesty's eyes so a lot of the marines that were saltier and more on the grungy side of tradition always heated they'll call it chesty his house actually just got sold or just got listed in in virginia in virginia yeah Yeah. dude it's sad you know the end of his his biography it just talks about how you know that generation of the ideal marine was being kind of aged out and the the suits were starting to run the military more so than the actual marines or soldiers whatever term you want to use and the amount of field experience that most of these people had was no value so when you got into war like you have a bunch of people that have read books about war but never have been in war so it's just like you know honestly a book can teach you a lesson but it's never it's never going to feel like being in war. Like, you know, Hey, I could tell you what a sunburn feels like, but until you have one, you don't know what a sunburn feels like. So basically it was sad. Like you can see his like heartbreak of just um, how there was a shift and people of his, like everybody in the Marines loved him. 
but the hierarchy of the Marines hated him at near the end, hated him or just didn't see value for him at the end because he was just too much of a bulldog. Yep. Um, is that the book you read? You recently read? Yeah. That's great, man. Chesty, Chesty's the fucking man. Um, my roommate and I actually had a framed picture of him in our barracks room um, that was on one of our nightstands. So like when we would get inspected for field day or cleanliness of the, the barracks room, that was the first thing the inspectors, who are usually a very high-ranking senior enlisted person, that's the guy, would see that and just be like, God, these, it's like having a picture of Jesus Christ, you know? But for us, we love Chesty, but at the same time, we knew that it would be a, wow, these guys really love the Marine Corps kind of distraction to anyone inspecting us. Yep. And it was, which is good, but these it's, boys a, are it's a cyclical Classic thing. Marines. Exactly. What do we need to clean and check? They look great. But yeah. that's the cyclical kind of nature of not just the Marine Corps, but life in general, and but especially in the Marine Corps, because from Chesty's era preceding the Vietnam War, you had that lull in action. So what people were washing out from Korea and then before Vietnam, how are they going to train new coming troops if they don't have combat experience and they're learning just on anecdotal or educational, you know, backgrounds? Same thing after Vietnam, you know, get the dip in the Cold War, little bits of things in Kosovo and, and whatnot in, in Eastern Europe and some stuff in South America. But we didn't have another real combative experience until Desert Storm and Desert Storm was so brief and short. And then the next thing we had was was OIF, Operation Iraqi Freedom. So now my friends that are all just recently retiring, I was at a retirement ceremony last year for a buddy of mine that just finished his 20 years. Almost the exact same things you were just saying about Chester. He was a badass senior enlisted special operations command Marine, a MARSOC guy, a raider, the coolest of the cool, the baddest of the bad. Yeah. And he saw the same politics, the same, you know, writing on the wall, the same, you're too salty, you're too grungy, you're too rough and tough. And he was saying the same thing now about who's going to be teaching these guys about combat. We don't have a war now to be fighting. We don't have people recycling to be able to teach what was learned out there in theater. So it's, it's repetitive, man. You know, whether it was 50 years ago, 70 years ago, or like I said, less than a year ago, it keeps happening up and down. That's the dips and, you know, cycle of war and not being at war. Well, this is something I wanted to ask you. I mean, maybe my terminology is wrong on this, but it may play into where you're at now and kind of the development that you're doing with yourself and other people. Do you feel that there was any kind of PTSD involved with the work that you did, even though you didn't see war, but maybe just because of the alignment with the lifestyle that you had at such an intense level, being over there in those positions and then coming back to normal life? Was there a big shift for you? Or like, I know afterwards you come back, you're in Louisiana, you're a bartender, just having fun. Like, was there a culture shock to the point where like you just had a hard time being a, a civilian or a regular person after all the development you'd gone through? A hundred thousand percent. Yeah. Mainly because it's not like a nine to five job where you go there, you punch in and you punch out and you leave it there. Right. It's 24 seven every day for four years, you know, everywhere you are, whether you're in camis, whether you're in your uniform, whether you're deployed, you're a Marine the whole time. So it never turns off. And you're told that constantly about like, hey, remember, you're always an ambassador for the Marine Corps. You're always an ambassador for the Marine Corps, even outside of work. So it never leaves you. That identity is, is, is thick. Don't get me wrong. I was very proud of it. But when you're in charge of millions or at times billions of dollars of national assets by way of when I was working in Kings Bay, Georgia, 
we were doing missile, trident, trident missile onloads and offloads. So for ICBMs, intercontinental ballistic missiles on submarines, where we would onload and offload them working alongside like Lockheed missiles in space contractors for only two sub docks in the country that do this one in the East coast, one on the West coast to take these missiles on and off. And I was running the main security either at the wharf or within what was called the limited area where we stored and housed the nukes. And I was like fucking 19 years old, 20 years old in charge of all this, coordinating these, running the convoy, talking to the contractors, making sure everything was going right and smooth and then come home or leave work and you can't have a beer because you're not 21. You know, and then you get out and then you can't have a job because you don't have a college degree or you don't have enough experience in life or the profession that would prefer you to have. That was confusing for sure. And then when everything that you're taught is about absolute speed, volume and intensity with perfect adherence, zero fallibility. And should you err, death is the likely result, not just of yourself, but of people around you. Dude, it makes life fucking tough. Absolutely not just for you, but for the people around you, like patience with friends, patience with family, a, a relationship, a girlfriend, fucking forget about that. Yeah. My readjustment to civilian normalcy, normalcy was terrible. And that's why when I found the bar, it was like the best, worst place for me to be. You're like, I can pour cups better than anybody. And, I can, and I can fucking medicate with all this yeah. liquid courage. It's interesting. I keep on having this dialogue with people like I was having it this morning. We went to McDonald's normal <laughs> ritual out here. It's a great, mountain. great start. Great start to the story, which, by the way, is no longer the quick and easy. Well, it's quick. It's easy, but it's no longer cheap Two no, it's not Four burrito four little egg burritos and two medium sized orange juices was almost twenty dollars. It's Who's no trying to get hit. Nobody fucking gets Come one on, over McDonald's? on Ryan like that. Who do you think you is? Man. I was like, all right, I'll do it. McDonald's just showed up on the corner. Let's go. Let's have some fun. Let's have wow. a, a My burrito. card's in my hand. It's like, ready to swipe. I can't hold back at this moment. I ordered, and I was like, This juncture is designed for me to succeed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> is, is it Kobe beef in the burritos now? Yeah, I was like, what, what just you? happened? you? Yeah, or like Dude, fucking organic, so you know, range-free eggs or what? Yeah, it could be. could be. Uh, so my buddy Ras, uh, he and I are competing in this event overseas coming up and I'm just driving around, we're having coffee and I just start, start to mention to him and it pops up every like couple weeks or months where I'm just thinking about the exchange of retiring. And I'm like, I just don't know what that's going to be like for me because I am so good at going to war. Like if you give me, you're like, Hunter, we're going to war. Like I immediately go into the other room and I start sharpening my ax. I'm like, yeah. yeah. And I'm going to do it better than anybody else. And I'm going to forget about everybody else. And I'm just going to do that thing as hard as I possibly can. And it's a part of who I am. And I've intentionally put 35 years old as my limit. Like I'm done. I'm done because I have to put this healthy exit strategy. Otherwise, I'm just going to keep on doing laps around the track. <laughs> you know, so I want to get out and. I'm just thinking about what it's going to be like to come into normal life because I had this gap between my world championship and back to where I'm training heavily now for about six months. And without me even knowing it, I was depressed. And mm. I'm not like a depressed-based person, but I just wasn't elevated. I'm normally always elevated. And now I'm back into this heavy training again, and it would kill most people. Like yesterday, my cousin Alex, we went for a bike ride that was 
I think 40 miles. It wasn't a miles. bike ride. It was 50 mile bike ride. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it only ended up came to 42 miles. We had to cut it short because everyone else was starting to die off, but it was 42 <laughs> miles and 5,500 feet of climbing. To me, nice. that's like combing, brushing my teeth in the morning. I'm like, this is it. I was like, ah, this is my method. Yeah, and burn them. I, I felt so good. And it was killing other people. And I just like, I, I don't know what it's going to be like waking up in the morning and not having that. So I, I, that's the gap that I was asking you. And it leads me into my next piece. So you go into the bar. And obviously, I don't think there's many people in this world that are sitting there and they're like, my pinnacle version of myself is being a bartender. So I'm assuming you had higher aspirations. And as I look at it, you went and you, you got your degree. Part of it was in fashion. Um, let me get the exact details on this thing. You got a degree in fa- fashion and business. Yep. Yep. And, you know, where did all of a sudden fashion and business come together? Because typically men wearing camo boots with tight haircuts don't go into fashion, especially boys from Louisiana. Oh, dude, boy, you couldn't be more true. Couldn't be more right, rather, on that. I, uh, yeah, I spent five years at the bar. I was undergrad studying history at LSU. I got 130 something credit hours, but didn't have a diploma because I didn't really go to class much. I didn't do much of school. So I left eventually after five years, found my way into the oil field. Knew nothing about oil and gas, but I had a friend of mine. Were you on the oil me. rigs? Yeah, I worked offshore in the Gulf and in West Texas and in Eastern New Mexico. Zero experience, mind you. But a friend of mine was like, dude, I know you're looking for work. They love veterans. You can figure it out. It's similar kind of to the military hierarchical rank structure. There's English, but it's not really English, and it's mostly male, and it's outside, and you fly to work in a helicopter. And I was like, yeah, it sounds like I could do all that. It's pretty familiar. No big so deal. I did. Yeah, and it was great. It's fucking dangerous. You got to wear protective equipment. There were a lot of parallels. I loved it. It was fun. It was almost two years worth of doing that. And then I got laid off when the price per barrel plummeted in like 2015. So how did I get back into school? Well, when I lost my job, I freaked out. I was starting to push 30, and I just felt ageism. Really I need fashion my, in my life. <laughs> I, I needed something, man. And my girlfriend at the time was like, you should go to school in FIT. You should go to FIT. She was from New York. I didn't even know what fucking FIT was. <laughs> okay. And we were talking about moving in together and living together and going back to the city and da-da-da-da. And so I took Women have a way her of doing I- this to you. Us, you know, some, sometimes it's good to listen to the right things when they come to you at the right time in your life. And yeah. a lot of mine actually have come from girlfriends. And this was one of them for sure. And she was like, you should go there. We ended up breaking up. I still followed the idea. And I was living in Mexico with my family, kind of getting my feet back under me and working with my uncle, the former Navy guy. And he has been designing and manufacturing furniture in a small little rural mountain town in the state of Michoacan for like 30 years. And so while I was working with him, yeah, narco terror. forever. <laughs> so Mitrocon, quick, quick interjection, produces 30% of the world's, the entire world's avocados. Noted. Mm. So I go down there and everything I'm doing with him is commerce, compliance, trade, international business, a little bit of design, da-da-da-da. So I look at degree programs at FIT and I found international trade and marketing for fashion at their business school. And I was like, Perfect. Let's do that one. So that's how I got into that. Now, so you didn't go into it with the hopes of like being the new, being the next Gucci designer. No, but I did end up working for Ralph Lauren right out of school. No kidding. Yeah. 
impressive. But in compliance, impressive. not not in the cool stuff. You know, <laughs> like that's that's where it all kind of went. Like I was on this high. How many? God, God. First off, I had no money left. This was my last chance, and they sent me several application denied letters. And I was like, fuck, I got to get into this school. So finally I called them and I was like, what's it going to take? What do I have to do to come there to get into this program? Da, 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 da. Well, you could come to school as a non-matriculating student. And if you did well enough, maybe after a couple of semesters, we'll admit you and you can take full courses. Da, 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 da. I was like, so if I come there and make straight A's for a semester, maybe two at the most, would you like, well, it's very bold and ambitious of you. Da, if I come there and make straight Yes, in theory. I was like, I'll see you in fucking January. And I'm I was planning like, on doing the same thing with Harvard, by the way. Dude, that was November 2015 or August 2015. I went up there, got my shit together. January came and I was 21 hours of class rocking and rolling. And sure enough, the whole time I was there every semester, minimum 18 hours up to 27 hours one semester or 28, wow. 20, 24, 27. I forget. Straight A's the whole way. Nothing less than a 94 because anything under that would have been an A minus. I finished second out of 2,000 people. Graduated salutatorian. My parents were like, what the fuck? <laughs> Where has this been? All, fashion, of our, all of our lives and time, you needed to go to the highest. You're sitting there with a needle. You're like, I'm going to be the best. I'm going to say <laughs> shit was not out of bad. this team. But dude, talk <laughs> about being a fish out of water. Like you said, may, uh, straight male above the age of 30 from the South military veteran worked in a bar worked in the oil field assumed to be republican not your typical fit student i want to bring fashion back to the creole people this is my mission this is my agenda dude, you will not stop trip. me it was a trip i had no idea people were like dude are you like banging all the girls there is it awesome honestly it was far more awkward being me because i was that much of a minority it was it was a total flip on my own head and as good as the academics were the social education was was a thousand times fucking better and then i found my way into ralph lauren as a compliance officer love the company love the culture still do but reading audits and being binary and stuck in a terminal is not good for me so i did not last very long there i did uh soul cycle teacher training and class mm -hmm. of like 15 20 people and i was the only straight guy there was one other guy uh but he just like for some reason, didn't really interact with me that much, even though it was a small class. So I'm around. All the instructors are female. All the uh, teachers are gay or female. And it was one of the most awkward times of my life. Like, Because they're like, Hunter, where's your soul? And I was like, I'm a fucking spin instructor. There's no soul. I clip in. I teach a ride. People love it. You hired me. I was like, I didn't come to you. You came to me. And God, I used to just like, it would be a fight. This woman, Janet, she was the one who ran the whole thing. She would just dig me out all the fucking time. It's like, get your teeth off my ass cheeks, Janet. I'm trying to, I'm trying <laughs> to like, just learn this process. Like marks on the ass cheeks. That can be nice. Oh, no, dude. She was gnawing off chunks. She wasn't <laughs> nibbling. She was gnawing. And I got chewed out all the fucking time. And I can only imagine that was only like a three month program. You went through years of this process, but it was fish out of water, dude. Like I'm just like a, a straight macho boy who's trying to be an athlete spin instructor. And all dude. these people we're going to dance classes. They're like, <laughs> they're like now walk down and show us the way you move your body. And I was like, 
I will walk a straight line for you. No more, no less. I was like, if you tell me to do it fast, I will do it faster, but I will not put sauce on top of this bun. Dude, honestly, as much as it was like, as much as it was uh, turned me kind of into an introvert, it also just made me an incredible observer. Because now I was like, oh, this is kind of what it feels like to be them. You know, like this is what it feels like to be the only and so it gave me like a new perspective of empathy for people, you know, mm-hmm. men and women to just yeah, be I need like, to go to fashion school. Cause I'm dude, terrible at that. <laughs> it was, it was, it was fucking humbling to say the least. And not to mention, I did put my Marine kind of cap back on in the sense of like, this is my place to protect. You know, I was like, there ain't going to be no fucking active shooter in this place as long as I'm here. And I was like, I know I'm the only one that's going to do something about it. So it took this like, no one's going to steal this silk. Yeah, dude. I was like, these people have no one else to defend them. If if it's gotta be me, you know? So that's, that's also what I thought about. So how many years was this before you and I met? Um, I don't know. Just a couple. I graduated from there in 2017, 16. When when I I met you, you were doing, modeling and real estate or just modeling both and i just was still finishing bodybuilding stuff i was still doing that too yeah so both fitness fitness and modeling here and there real estate and still bodybuilding yeah so when i first met jake he was an interesting character it was this combination of of a of a deck of cards that you would not like assume you know this dude was from louisiana a marine just finished fashion was doing modeling um and was doing real estate and now wanted to be in like the fitness like you know actually be like in the fitness instructing world so it's like it's just like whoa 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 like all of these things he's dating this smoking hot german model girl and we go out this is the one of the most fucked up stories of my life i'm gonna try to abbreviate this and i'm not gonna bring up all of the details but it's nothing abbreviated and edited you can do it so can I just We're say, like, Jake, before you get into this, that you've done a great job of like losing. There's a there's a very distinct Louisiana accent. And without you saying, hey, this boy's from Louisiana, I'd have no idea. Like, there, <laughs> I don't know how to do it, but but I don't hear Louisiana at, in your voice at all. all right. What's well, the name? I, what's the name I, of the city up, you're from? New Orleans. OK, that's oh, it right yeah. there. Every time he says <laughs> New Orleans, it, it's it, yeah. like I it, see it, New Orleans or New Orleans. Norleans, like Orleans. no, no, yeah. I don't know um, what it is. I, I grew up in the city, you know. I didn't, and it's funny. New Orleans is like this bastard child of expression and eclectic funk and gay and vibrant and tattooed and weird, and it's surrounded by the ultra conservative southern state of Louisiana. So most of the rest of the state would probably speak in an accent of which you would more so consider to be Louisianian, where. As in the city, it's not so much. And that's probably what between that and then being on, you know, outside the home since I was 17, uh, probably diluted it down pretty well. If I start drinking, though, Hunter can probably attest. I start dropping my R's and the slang comes out for sure. So be mindful of that. Go daggers. <laughs> so I'll go back to the story that still to this day has right, me shaking in my boots. Um, Jake and I meet up. We go to have breakfast. His girlfriend comes to meet up with us with her other friend. And they're like, hey, my twin sister's coming to town, too. And uh, we're all going to go out to dinner. And I was like, perfect. So we get I think we went to Nobu. Uh, yeah, downtown. And really nice restaurant. Five minutes before we get there, Jake and I are walking up. We're having a blast. He's like, oh, shoot. My girlfriend's not going to be able to make it. But her twin sister's still coming. And I was like, whatever. 
you know? So we go, we sit down, do we have like 15 courses and we're drinking a fair amount and we started to get into some like pretty deep and wild stories. And I'm just sitting there and being like, whatever, dude, like, cool. We're just living life, telling crazy stories. And, you know, his, first of all, the twin sister looks exactly like Yanina, like exactly, but with jet black hair, with bangs and jet black hair. And I was like, wow, this is like spot on a mirror, a mirror image. Now, I don't know the girlfriend that well. So this leads into my next piece. We get home and they just during the night, they're like talking to me they're like, have you ever tried Hoppe? And I was like, no. They're like, oh, it's kind of this like kind of more ceremonial tobacco type product that um, you take and it kind of puts you into like a big mental head spin. And it's like we like to do it sometimes. And I was like, I'm up for anything. So. We get back to the house and, you know, these two is smoking this like 21 year old hunter. No, dude, this is 28 year old hunter. Like okay. I, I've got like a pretty busy career. Like I'm booming yeah, yeah. at the time. I'm, yeah, I'm this a, is I'm, only like four years ago. If, if yeah. Even, yeah, I'm climbing up the ladder of success in this world. So like, you know, I, whatever I, I, I speak openly about my experiences or whatever I've dabbled in my life, but yeah, whatever. I just, so we're, we get in there, these two smoking hot babes to just kind of look over at this. We're like, we're going to take a shower. And I was like, of course, hot babes shower together. And so they go into the bathroom and shower. And Jake's like, yo, let's do that hot bay. And I was like, okay. So you put it like this ground up, <laughs> just ground up material inside of a pipe. I stick one part of the pipe in my nose and Jake blows it into my brain, like rocket ships it into my fucking skull. I hit this thing and I'm like, like I am in outer space and I'm high as a kite. So fucking high. I'm like, whoa. And the girls are still showering and then they come out. Mind you, there was, again, a good amount of booze beforehand. So yeah, yeah. to get a there combination was, is, is quite something. Everything's all mixed up here. So the girls come out of the shower and they're kind of like in these robes looking all sexy, kind of drying themselves off. And I'm high as a kite and I'm like, Jesus, you look so much like Yanina. It's startling. Who is, she's like, who's my girlfriend? Yeah. Or was my girlfriend at the time. And she's like, yeah, I am Yanina, dude. We've been <laughs> lying to you the entire night. And I'm like, what? Wait, huh? And I was like, what the fuck's wrong with you guys? And I was like, I'm out of here. I literally pick up my jacket. I bust out of the room and I leave them. And I'm so fucking high. I'm like, I can't tell if I'm losing my shit I can't tell if I am completely in outer space, if any of these people are real, if they're lying to me, what is real in this moment? <laughs> and I didn't talk to Jake for like a couple months after that. Basically, I was out of it. And I was like, I, I, I have never been in such like a twilight zone moment where like all of a sudden I'm like looking all around me. I'm like, this is all the matrix. Um, and to this day, I still am pretty startled by that moment. I'm like. Anytime I go out to dinner with people, I pull their hair real quick. I'm like, it's just a fucking wig. <laughs> so your girlfriend, you you were in on the joke. What was the setup beforehand going into this? Like, oh, is my God. good friend Hunter? He has no good fucking know. explanation for that either. I don't remember, to be oh. honest. I, I think, I mean, it was it was their idea for sure. You know, and, and Janina, who was my girlfriend, her friend was coming to dinner with us. And I don't remember if it was like, us trying to set her up with Hunter or to like coordinate something like that. And then somehow the, the sister idea came up and she's like, yeah, like, let's do it. It's so much fun. I just have to put on my wig. And I was like, yeah, fuck it. Let's do it. I don't care. You know, I'll play along, but you could. it was pretty funny. 
Both those girls could have tried to jump on me naked at the same time, and I would have fucking still ran. I was like, this is what's happening. I mean, they knew what they were doing for sure. Know. You know, like Dude. they knew, hey, we're just going to take a shower. And they're both like thick German accent, beautiful blondes. Like it's you would have thought like this is this can't be real. What the fuck is going on? You know, so I I lost my goddamn <clears throat> Um, okay, good, so good enough times, of that. Eh? Good time. The best. I, I I love that story. So fast forward, you know, you dabble in real estate, you're in the training business, you got all this kind of stuff on. And I think I probably like when I saw you, maybe just before COVID hit, you were really getting in like heavily on bodybuilding. And you were doing all natural. And I think at that point, you were also completely carnivore. You were probably like 6% body fat most of the time that I saw you. And you were starting to have this kind of transformation where it seemed like you were separating from chapter ones and twos of your life into this like really big gap, almost a new book almost of a transformation of yourself. And you're getting really heavily into training. It seemed like you were getting really heavily into mindset stuff. You were one of the first people that I know which is impressive because I've been on a similar arc that it seemed like you started to remove yourself from this like hot happening fitness scene of like everybody is like having sex with each other and like trying to like build their brand and everyone's like, I'm so cool. And all of a sudden you just were like, I'm removing myself from the board. And you all of a sudden you stopped dating, you stopped drinking, you stopped entertaining yourself with just like, randomly showing up to parties full of people that you don't fucking know and don't really care about just to say that you were there. And like this narrative of which I've had a really hard time removing myself from, it's like, you know, Oh my God, there's a fucking party and there's supermodels going to be there. Like I can't help myself. (laughs) And and (laughs) you started saying this stuff and I was like, yeah, whatever, Jake, you're a pussy. And I didn't really mean that, but I'm just like, I, you were you were ahead of the curve. I didn't see what was around the yet. bend. I didn't know it was around the bend. Mm-hmm. And you were already on the other side of it. And I was like, I don't know what the fuck this dude's talking about. You were reading like two or three books a week at the time. You had completely gone into this like stoic vor- form of transformation, um, almost like a monk mode. And then you and I saw each other a little bit during COVID and I'm not trying to skip over things, but then all no, of a sudden that was great too. In, in Austin, that was awesome. Yeah. That was awesome. And then all, all of a sudden that was just a brief interaction, but then there was like this massive shift where all of a sudden now I started to catch up with you. Like, you know, we talked and shoot the shit. I remember you and I had like an hour long conversation. I was running in London last year and yep. you were telling me that you had just started your life. Like Jake coaching business. And I didn't even know the gravity that you'd grown it till this point. And you and I talked just recently and now you are completely removed from real estate. You're completely removed from all other kind of incomes, opportunities and, and focal, focal points. And you are, I, I don't even know the way to describe it, but you have an entire coaching business around this mindset uh, and lifestyle that you you've created. Like that yeah. shirt, life like Jake. Just like the shirt. God, man, it's, it's, it's crazy to hear it like that. Um, it was like that spot on. <laughs> it's amazing. I mean, again, you know, back to the beginning Very of, detailed uh, of summary, our talk, Hunter able to rip it just like on the show, just like in the, you know, in Tough Mudder, able to go first take and not miss a beat. That's amazing. But yeah, man, I, uh, you know, I just looked at my life, just like you said, when we were there in New York, 2018, 2019, and the advent and kind of 
inception of a lot of these things that were going on in fitness, whether it was this specific gym or this specific company and brand with, with gear and clothes or, you know, this app that was coming out or this piece of equipment that everybody was trying to get the casting for. I just knew so many of these people and I looked at them and was like, y'all are the majority of you are fucking frauds. By the way, I've been trying to term this recently and the th only thing that I can really think of is low hanging fruit or an analogy that I've been using recently. And I really want you to have your, 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 your comment on this, but just hear me out and it will maybe guide some of the conversation. I've been saying, if you sit at the corner of a beach and you take a net and drag it across the water, you're going to pick up all the dumb minnows that are just sitting there and they're just easy to catch. And then if you get a rod, you're going to start casting and you're going to start really playing the game. And then if you really want the big fish, you need to be like old man, in the sea, you need to fucking go out into the water, the deep water, and you need to cast lines for hours, if not days and miss a bunch. And then all of a sudden huck that hog that is going to be a defining point of your life. And I've been digging into this and I want you to tell us your version of it. Cause you were the person, as I said, it was ahead of the curve that I, 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 I look up to. So go ahead tell us all about it. I just saw what I was basically in the mirror and what I was surrounded by, you know, Jim Rohn talking about you being the sum total of the five people you spend the most time with. And that really hit me because I evaluated who I was spending the most time with and then correlated that with how I felt and where I saw myself in life. Well, that's not good. Let's see what happens if I change this. So how am I going to start that? Well, I'm going to surround myself with no one. I'm going to absorb myself with knowledge to the books you kind of talked about. I said, you know, why are there all these books? I live in New York. I have the New York Public Library. Like all these secrets of the world are just hidden here. And then one day I just started plowing through books and started to realize like for someone to take the time to write down things that are basically their dream, their obsession, something that they believe in worth leaving their families and their spouses for, abandoning their children, all sorts of hope or financial, whatever, to get a message out. It's like, they're probably worth reading. And some of these things have been around for a millennial. Like, how old are some of the oldest texts? My God. And so I started reading books. I started watching less TV. I started listening less to them and to they and listening more to myself because it's something I hadn't done in a long time because I had that inferiority complex. I had this facade about me thinking that I needed the flashy clothes, the cool name brand shit, all the consumerism, the materialism, and everything else that was surrounding myself by, with rather, to insulate my own insecurities or to mask them. And as I started to strip away those things, I started to feel differently. So to me, I looked at a lot of these people around me that I saw as, like I said, frauds or just dipshits and douchebags and bimbos, charlatans for sure. And I was that like, snake oil. If, if this industry, bitches. yeah, if this industry <laughs> thinks these people are cool, I don't want to fucking be part of it because I know who these people really are. And if they're able to slip through the cracks and put on their masks and be accepted as, you know, godly, I don't want to be a part of this. So I'm going to go this way. It is interesting when you get into some of these pipelines and you work your way so hard to get to the top of the, the top like rung of the ladder and you get up there and you're like, this is a dog shit person. And usually the people you meet at the bottom rung of the ladder are these authentic, beautiful people. And what happens is they keep on climbing as they have to keep on changing themselves to be able to get to that next rung. 
to the point where they lose almost all of their authenticity and like that bright light that's inside of them. And now they just become this mechanical beast of a, a I mean, just a shell of a human being at the top. It's like it's like first blood Stallone to Rambo three. Stallone. First Blood Stallone was so great. He's like, I'm going in this fucking cave. Come get me. First Blood end, is he's like, like, he's I'm so flying peaceful. three helicopters at once. What and I'm the fuck? It's like, it's like he's all yoked and juiced out. And like in the first one, he's so peaceful. He has like five lines before the big monologue at the end. And he's just stoic, humble, angelic, civil, and just there, you know, present. And then by the end of it, yeah, he's this huge thing flying fucking helicopters and running tanks into stuff. It's like, no, man, go back to that traditionalism, right? And for me, dude, it was realizing that the Marine Corps gave me an identity, and it's something I didn't have as a kid and something that I'd lost even as a younger child. And when I lost that, getting out and returning as a civilian, I was scrounging looking for it. That's why I I worked at the bar. That's why I worked in the oil field. That's why I worked for Ralph Warren. That's why I worked in real estate because I was looking for an identity, thinking that I needed something out there for it. And just over time and even back into fashion and fa uh, uh, fat, what? Fashion and fitness, excuse me, I thought that's what I needed. That was my identity too. And I started to build another identity around this bodybuilder and, and especially as a natural one and like, fuck you to all the guys that were using stuff, and substances, stuff. you know what I mean? Like, and I, I got it stigmatic about it. You're and so still, weird. It was like not the right thing to do because I was still going outside as opposed to like embracing myself. And I was hiding with all these layers around me. So as I started to peel these layers away, I started to realize like, Dude, it's it's about me. It's always been about you and your individuality, your self-actualization, your autonomy, right? That's what the beginning of self-mastery is and to what you're talking about, the rungs on the ladder and why, you know, those guys and gals at the bottom, they seem to get along because it hit me that it's not about accomplishments. It's not about the medals. It's about the fucking suffering. Yeah. And that's what self-mastery is about. That's what the greatness of being as you can attest to being a multi-time world champ and all the fucking cool shit you've done, dude. It's not about the podium moments. Those are great. But the shit that makes you who you are and like you talking about chasing that next thing, what are you going to do? It's the work. It's the suffering. And that is what the road to self-mastery is paved in. It's paved in fucking suffering. And once I had that like aha moment, I said, fuck these guys, fuck their comforts, fuck all their cool shit. Like I'm going to find the hard route. Dude, it's funny that you say that. I have this. I, I go on these big workouts. Usually, the weightlifting ones, I never think of anything that smart because I'm just a fucking thug. But when I go on these really big, like mountain runs and bike rides, Absolutely. these things just cycle Absolutely. through my head. And I'm going up the one of the hardest parts of our ride yesterday, and I was like, "Man, I'm in it again. Like here I am on my twelfth season, and I'm just beating myself to the point. I was getting nosebleeds. I was deadlifting. I was deadlifting so much the other day I started getting nosebleeds and I was biking so hard today the next day that the capillaries were just pumping up and I started pissing blood out of my nose. And I, I said to myself, I hurt myself to heal myself. Oh yeah. And Dude, love it. It's one of those kind of things that I thought about and it's like truly, and I've also said this a long time is like, you don't know the highest highs until you know the lowest lows. Like you have to find these deep, catacombs of who you are as a person and you have you can't just let that stuff like dust settle over top of it you have to like clear it out 
really dig in deep to it and then really see what resonates with you there and then come back out and then go back in and then come back out and then go back in. And if you think about it, like they take people when they're in trouble and they put them into solitary confinement. So I, to, literally, I literally was talking about this on a podcast the other day. Yeah. But <laughs> they put people into solitary confinement to as punish punishment them, as punishment, but <laughs> to the I wise you, man, dude. to the strong man, I to the deep you. man, it's you heaven. Find, it's yeah, heaven. It's paradise. It's so hard to be in that place though, I love dude, you, because <laughs> in reality, how easy is it for you and I right now to get off this phone and just go into our iPhone and go on Instagram and find some girl with curves in all the right places and say, why don't you come over to me and distract me for the rest of the fucking day? Why don't, why don't I just call my friends and get into uh, one of my sports cars and just drive around in circles as fast as I can? All of these things are luxuries of life, but they are also vices of life, you know? Yeah. And like, if you allow yourself to dig deep and allow yourself to really just throw yourself into these things, you lose the focal point. It's almost like a kite without a string attached to anything. You're just flying away wherever the wind will take you. Um, I want to bring up something, though, where you were talking about the whole identity crisis thing. I'm from New York City. In New York City on the East Coast, what's the main thing you ask somebody when you first get to know them? <laughs> where do you work? Where do you live? Okay. What do you do? And where, what part of town are you in? Okay. And then so, where do you work out? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Now, in California, what's the first thing that you ask somebody? Ooh, it's uh, you know I only lived in Southern California for a few years, but let's, let's see. Let's just see if you can where, guess it. Where, uh, what's your diet? No. Who How do did you, you vote? Oh, nice. Mm. Who do you know? So the alignment in California versus the alignment in the East Coast is East Coast is so aligned with what do you do for a living? And like, where do you jock and position next to me? Even though you are trying to create similarities in the conversation, you want to sure. find a way to connect with this person. Truly, it's just a, it's, a, it's a gut check. Like, hey, yeah, it's what a do dick, you really do? Like, dick, oh, dick measure. I'm in finance. What kind of finance? Oh, I'm in private equity. What kind of private equity? It's a, it's like, a dick measure. Yeah. So, mm. but in California, you sit down, you start talking to people and they can't help themselves, but just tell you who they know, or who they're associated with. You're like, oh, well, I was actually at that restaurant the other day with a such and such football player. So it's just a bunch of name dropping all the time. Hey. Now, dropping the thing names. that's it's interesting is when you really get to know somebody like I get in trouble for this all the time. I say, what do you like to do? And they're like, what do you mean? I'm like, what kind of person are you? What the fuck do you do with your life? Like, I don't know. I don't know what you do nine to five. That's what you do to get paid. What do you like to do? Who the fuck are you? If you come into my house, you can find out pretty quickly what I like to do. I've got mushrooms in the corner of my house. I have a didgeridoo and a bunch of axes. Like, Which plays the didgeridoo a lot. You I get do play the didgeridoo, the didgeridoo a lot. I'm getting Love good. I'm getting good. What can I say? It's a fucking cool instrument. Yeah, so, I mean, in reality, dude, like, it's hard to find truly the character and uh, th what kind of person uh, someone is these days <laughs> because there's all of these clouds that they put over top of it so you never really have to see who the fuck they are. 100%. And um, in reality, like, I mean, I guess that's not the worst thing in the entire world, but in the, in the path of self-development, I think these things need to be talked about more often and I've even gotten to the point where it's so silly that I have a podcast. I can't listen to podcasts anymore because I don't think anybody's talking about anything new anymore. They're not, they're all just listening to Joe Rogan 
or sitting at a coffee table and hearing what somebody else listened to on Joe Rogan. And then that's their dialogue. Nobody's yeah. doing any of this deep work shit or trying to read or get something out of these pages. And not to say like, oh, I'm cooler than you because I've been on the process longer. But it is interesting. And I'm, I'm really glad that you found the path that you're on now because I think it is better to have men. We don't need any more Marines. No offense. Um, but we do. We love the military. We support the military. We support the boys in blue. No, I'm not saying that really like we don't need military. I think Marines are great. Like, you know, I have a military inspired but business that I work on now. He means this the supply is steady. It's a sure yeah. Thing. You know, it's a yeah. sure it's a sure and steady supply. There's as, never going to be a shortage of eighteen right year old now. boys that want to hold guns and wear camo outfits. Right. Like but it, it, to see exactly. somebody like you basically have this really paved road. Like there's been a million real estate agents. There's been a million people in fashion. There's been a million Marines. There's been a million fitness instructors and you can follow that path very easily. And you could probably get pretty good at it. You already were, but then all of a sudden you're like, I'm out. Um, So tell us about some of the things that like some of your daily rituals and some of the things that you're personally working on right now with yourself. And then some of the things that you're working on, you don't have to give us a specific client, but like some of the things that anyone who's listening to this could really start to develop on their own. And then maybe even potentially want to reach out and work with you. Yeah, man. I mean, the beauty of the work is that everything I teach, everything I impress is what I still practice myself habitually. Right. So nothing that I, have or ask of any people clients wise is not something that I still don't currently do or haven't done throughout my almost life, you know, especially since my own beginning of self-actualization. And what is that? Like, let's define these big words, you know, autonomous self-actualization, individualism, self-mastery. It's belief. It's understanding your innate gifts as a human being, right? And realizing the potential that all of us have, each one of us, has a brilliance inside of us. But just like you were kind of talking about, Hunter, there's these layers, I call them carbon, similar to a diamond, that gets layered on top of us through circumstance, environment, commitments, stress, life, you know, kids, family, work, whatever. And we get darker and darker and darker, and that brilliance gets lighter and lighter and lighter. We're not able to see it. We're not able to feel it. We're not able to believe it. So what I do with people mainly is that I'm not – Yoda. I don't sell a fucking product. I have nothing for you to buy tangibly. That the shirts aren't for sale. You know, people are like, can I get one of those shirts? They're they're earned and they're given out, but I don't make them. I don't manufacture them, and I'm certainly not trying to turn a profit on them. But what I do do is help people to remove blocks from their vision of their own paths to self-actualization, autonomy, and self-mastery. So how do we do that? Number one thing. And this is a quote. You can put it down. It'll probably be on my gravestone. The single most effective thing we can do as human beings in regards to our health is controlling what we put into our fucking mouths. Period. Full stop. So you can do all the meditating you want. You can exercise as much as you want. You can read, write, journal. Otherwise, do whatever you want, as much of that as you want. But if you are not having the most optimal and adequate amount of nutrition coming into your body, you're still going to be riddled with impurity and your ability to believe the things I'm trying to instill into you or rather bring out of you is not going to happen because your mindset and your judgment will be clouded. So it starts with the nutrition. And when people say, well, what about that? How do you encourage that? Well, 
again, back to that single most important thing we can do in regards to our health is controlling what we put into our mouths because the food out here in this world, for the most part in the Western world, is fucking poison. Eat these foods, take these medications, feel this way. Repetitive cycle. Keep people dumb, keep people sick, keep people unhealthy. They're much more valuable that way. An individual that is self-actualizing, that is self-autonomizing, is someone that's very powerful and healthy. They are not valuable. So to me, this is very much an unplugging process. So it starts with what I call the 30-day carnivore reset. I take people for 30 days, guide them through a carnivore diet, not animal-based, but carnivore diet. So there's, there's three rings within the animal-based world or carnivore world. Animal-based being the outermost ring where the, the dominance of the calories are coming from animal-based foods. Within that would be carnivore. Within that would be lion. Lion would be meat from ruminant animals only, salt and water. Carnivore, you're expanded to pork, poultry, fish, dairy, etc. So we do 30 days of a carnivore Chicken reset. nuggets? <laughs> not fried, not without breading on them. So if they were baked or not baked, but otherwise just skinless or batterless. I more chicken nuggets that. than almost any grown man you know. <laughs> so why do we do this? Why do we do this? Because this is the only way to create singularity of sustenance. And that way we rid the body of impurities. Meaning there's only one time in our lives where we have a single source of sustenance giving us everything we need. Kids, milk. While stressing the body the least. Mm. Breast milk, right? Why? Because it's got to be efficient. It's got to have everything. It's got to be fast absorbing. It's got to have fast absorbing. It's got to have 100% bioavailability, maximum utilization, minimal discard, and cannot stress the body because it could fucking kill that little infant. So what as adults can we utilize as a single source of sustenance to provide our bodies everything it needs with minimal discard, maximum utilization, immediate use, and the least amount of stress? It's red meat, period. There's nothing else in the world that gram for gram, pound for pound is going to give you this amount of macronutrients, micronutrients, amino acid pros, uh, profile, enzymes, and vitamins. Nothing. So why do that? Well, first off, it's going to cleanse the body completely. It's going to be rid the body of chemicals, phytonutrients, toxins, anti-nutrients, obviously the glycogen depletion that's going to take place, but the sugar that's going to wither away. And it's going to create the best amount of cellular opt of, of healthy cells by way of autophagy, right? Cells are going to self cannibalize and cleanse the body from the inside out. So this isn't about just getting muscles and putting fucking exterior superficiality on. This is about going down to the cellular level. I'm talking Krebs cycle, meiosis, mitosis, the origin of the cell, which is essentially the origin of your being. And that can only be done through an elimination diet period, because otherwise you're talking about manipulations of cortisol, epinephrine, norepinephrine, hormonal stress, ghrelin, the hunger hormone, things you do not want rattling the cage of the system. It's like being a bouncer at a nightclub. I'm the doorman. Hunter comes up. It's just Hunter. He's good. Hunter's always good. Love it. I don't have to work hard. This is easy. Always place good. stays clean. His money's always good. Da, 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 da. But if it's fucking Ryan with Hunter mm. and Jake and these other misfits, fuck, we got to call an extra staff. These guys pee on the floor. They get in fights. Da, da, da. The place rowdy. Wait, we rowdy. The place is a fucking mess. But when it's just Hunter, dude, we can repaint walls. We can upkeep the house. It's clean. It's, it's copacetic. That is the body when it's dealing with a singular source of sustenance. When there's all these fucking variables, 
the body is living in a constant state of stress. So you're talking parasympathetic, sympathetic nervous systems that are just shot to hell. Central and peripheral nervous systems, both shot to hell, likely from ex external stimuli. So by way of implementing this diet, following these habits that I get you to start doing, reading, writing, meditation, and exercise, truly introspective work, reflective work, inner, deep inner work. Do these things, eat these foods, read these books, feel this way, period. And I guarantee the results in 30 days of feeling radically different. And even by the end of the 30 days, most people have never felt better, have never looked better, and have never had more self-worth. Now, when they go for longer periods of time, that just compounds in interest. So you talk about stories you asked about people right now with clients. One of my uh, guys, he's a year-long year sign-up, friend of mine from home, reached out, suicidal thoughts, business falling apart, relationships falling apart, two kids, doesn't know what to do. He's freaking out. He's been prescribed to uh, anti-anxiety medication since he was an adolescent child, Xanax. He's taking a pill every single day, every single night since he was, you know, since we were in grade school. He's 38, 39 right now. He's been with me for three months. Again, he's taken a pill every single day for the last 30, 30 years. He's been with me for three months. He has not taken a pill in two and a half months now. Wow. What's, what's changed? Just the way he's eating, just the habits, just what he's doing, the routine, and he doesn't fucking miss. It's interesting. But he's been to every psychologist, every psychiatrist. He's gone through all the medical steps and profiles of what he could do, but nothing worked. For 30 years, he took Xanax every single day. They were and now really for not the last 60 days, he hasn't. Yeah, they're showing studies aligned with people who have ADD, ADHD, whatever you want to categorize it as, that diet like drastically affects the way that these, um, these impressions like, you know, fluctuate in your body. Nobody ever talks about that stuff, by the way. Nope. It's so amazing. There's no money in it. There's no money in it. it, it dude, the medical industry is so fucked. Like, they started putting me on medication around the same age as that guy, and they were putting me on meds that were so heavy. I was taking 120 milligrams of dextrine spansel, which mm -hmm. is like kids don't even take 20 of that. So they basically were pumping me with high levels of meth every single day. Meth, yep. like a, a I did the same with Concerta, dextroamphetamine. It's so crazy, and they had me doing it. And then the last two years that I was in, and I was on probation, they had me court ordered to do it, like in like you know from eighteen to twenty, and it was like so ingrained in the system. And now I haven't touched a pill ever since. Like people are like Hunter, why don't you get back on it again? It would make you a superhero. I'm like, I am a fucking superhero. I'm like, you're the suppressed, you dumbass. Exactly. I was like, I I I, I run laps around you, and you take pills to even try to catch up with my shadow. Like exactly. You, you don't get it. And dude, uh, I ended up getting bacterial and parasitic medication in the fall because I picked up something and I never touch meds. Was it another Just, STD? It was. <laughs> it was, dude. Dehydration induced STD. Yeah, uh, dehydration induced STD. I wish it was. It was I was I was on the backside of a I've, weird one. I've never had one of those. It's kind of strange. Yeah, dude. So I I literally uh I got this medication. And I finished it and it did its job, I believe. But um, since then, dude, I get texts like weekly from CVS and multiple numbers from CVS trying to get me to re-up prescriptions, good oh, deals on imagine. prescriptions. Like I, I am in the business funnel for them. I'm like, this is fucking crazy. I was like, you guys don't want me to be healthy. You want me to keep on buying. You want to we, give me we, a hot. We are, we are the best commodity 
for big pharma, dude. There's a there's a doctor and a study going on right now um, that is a prime doctor shelling out all this medicine for kids that is is preaching that obesity is genetic and it is oh, a God, I saw that. Jesus Christ. And the only way to fix it is with pills and drugs. No mention of, hey, maybe we should switch the diet. Hey, if if you are allergic to this, maybe we switch it to these type of foods. It's 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 a mental health issue that obesity is and we should just farm out drugs to help your kids with obesity. I had this conversation with my mom. I was like, "Mom, you're about 5 years away from taking diabetic medication. Both our grandparents were type 2 diabetics. Like all they she, my mom doesn't exercise anymore. She's not like by any means like heavy set nasty or anything like that, but I'm like it only takes you putting this stuff in your body so much until you collapse the system and then you're yep. going to be relying on a pill. I was like, "Start reversing it now." And I I doubt she'll do it. I doubt she'll do it, and it's just crazy to me how many people will just allow themselves to go that far. Uh, but like it, that prescription that you probably just offered, I don't know what you charge a month, but let's just say high-level services, $1,000, so on and so forth, to work with a high-level coach like yourself, really dialed in. Or the latter, which is you basically get hooked on medication for the rest of your life and be a slave to the system that everywhere you go, you have to make sure that there's a pharmacy within arm's distance in case you run out of your pills. It's just like, really? That's oh, and, and guess what? You're going to eat that same food that's keeping you there. And guess yeah. what? When you go into those hospitals, it's going to be that same bullshit food. My mother's one of my first clients. And, uh, you know, this is three years ago. She's three years into the diet herself. No meds, no problems, cured her osteoporosis, cured her osteoarthritis, cured her post-hysterectomy um, surgery, like recovery. She was, you know, she's 70 years old, seven zero. mom's five, five, six, 123 pounds, just Linda Hamilton from Terminator 2. So people ask about, you know, ageism and this and that, like the youngest kid I got, 16 years old. Right now I'm talking to a guy trying to get his daughter's trying to get he and his daughters onto the program. They're both 11 and 13 respectively with mitochondrial disease. I have, you know, green berets, fucking force recon, scout sniper, Marines, Janes and Joes, professional athletes. Like I a pro tennis player. He's third, in, uh, 30 to 35 rankings in Florida. We're trying to going to get him, not trying, going to get him to first people that come of all walks of life of all kinds of all shades, shapes and sizes. And like they fucking thrive, man. They can't believe it at first. There's a lot of skepticism. There's a lot of what they are saying, what they are telling you. There's a lot of ego involved because our diets are like religions to many of us. And I'm saying this having been a fucking Talk vegan. Talk shit about McDonald's. You know, having been a fucking vegan, man. Like I used myself as an N of one with every diet that I could back to the girlfriends. Dated a vegetarian. I was a vegetarian for over a year. Dated a vegan. I was a vegan for over a year. Pescatarian experimented on my own standard American. Of course, we've all been doing that bro diet. We've all been doing that. If it fits your macros, I did that as a bodybuilder, but all of these diets, paleo, whole 30, whatever I did for a minimum of a year. So that way I could extract information from an accurate or ample data supply, right? To say that I can coach people and empathize with them. So when someone tells me like, yeah, I tried that diet for like you know, it didn't really do anything for me. How long did you do it for? Oh, like three weeks. Shut the fuck up. You know, oh, I did it for like a few days. Shut the fuck up. So minimum I, of a year for all these for me. And so I can tell you now, 
which I'm a scientist more than anything, because why? What's the job of a scientist? It's not to try to prove law or dogma. It is to test the hypothesis over and over to try and disprove it. And this is me three years going now, 95% carnivore, currently lion. I cannot fucking disprove this, dude. I can't. Don't get me wrong. Sweets are great. I still struggle with cravings and things in that. Like other, you know, we're surrounded by it. We live with it. It's everywhere. It's omnipresent. But the fact fucking remains, there is nothing else like this that helps the body and that can unlock the mind congruently. Yeah. When you, when you I, say I, carnivore, are you specifically saying you only eat meat? Like there's no vegetables, there's no rice. Correct. There's, correct. It's so, just like all meat. So, like the three rings. So, the outermost ring would be animal based. Animal based meaning the majority of your calories are coming from yeah. animals and animal byproducts. Now, if that's a denominator and a fraction in animal based, the numerator may still contain other than animal items, a la fruits, vegetables, whole food items. So people are like, what about dark chocolate? Well, it's not a whole food. What about bread? It's not a whole food. So animal-based would be animals for the denominator. And then basically, if you can pick it or pull it, would be your numerator. And, you know, depends on what your needs are, what you like. Now, carnivore is only animals, dairy and animal, by and animal byproducts. So no, to the carnivore thing, there are no vegetables. And when my people come on with me, there are no fucking supplements. We're going to talk about your medication. I want to know what RXs you're on. For sure, we're going to try to wean you off of it, and eventually you will get off. So everybody that's taking ADHD medication, they all eventually get off. Everybody that's taking anti-anxiety, SSRIs, or all their fucking bullshit, they eventually get off. Blood pressure, for sure, some of the first things to fall. It's why my heavier clients, they're averaging roughly 20 pounds a, a month and weight loss. Easy. My aunt, she's 70 years old. She just came on first week. She just completed this uh, today, seven pounds down in the first week. Two pounds a week is a significant weight loss on any diet. That's usually a massive caloric deficit for anyone to go through. And I'm talking about two, four, five, and just today, seven pounds a week for people that are eating without hunger, people that are eating to beyond states of satiety and like incredible amounts of fullness, thriving and feeling better than they've ever felt in their lives. The best I ever felt was in off season for about three years straight. I used to do steak and apples. And I would just wreck. And I was so lean and I was so strong. It was awesome. But I end up getting into these high volume spaces. And that's when I'm starting to crank McDonald's and uh, ramen noodles, all this kind of stuff. I My life is not like any of these people's lives. And I would not suggest my diet to anybody. Like that's why I've had so many articles on me in Sports Illustrated and Insider where they're like, this dude's yeah, eating. Dude eating fucking cereal and pop butter jelly. <laughs> yeah, dude. I, I mean, I eat to kill. I eat to kill, okay? Uh, I'd beg to say I more so eat to kill. <laughs> no, I got, dude. I got, blood, I, got blood, I got blood literally on me right now. You, you, know? you be there eating your pork chop and being like, oh, man, I feel so good about myself. And I'm just high as a kite on Cheerios coming down from the fucking top <laughs> rope. You're like, oh, no. And I'm like, ah! But then guess what? When that food is gone and we have to fast for 10 days, I'll be perfect. Hunter, dude. Hunter's, Hunter's going to go bye-bye real quick. You're fucking right, dude. My mental composure would split yours in half. <laughs> we, I, think, I think we have a challenge on the table, gentlemen. You do fasting as well? You know, yeah. yeah there's I, this just, one... I just finished a 100-hour fast the other day, actually. It was fun. Hmm. I think all the things that he's saying is truly like the cure to all ailments in life. I, I, I truly believe it. 
he is looking for longevity health i'm not trying to i mean his style i would assume is more longevity and health and optimization mine is just 100 i want a gold medal and i don't care if i have tumors because of it um that's fair fair. listen at least i speak in honesty i'm not trying to preach that's why why i love you that's why i love you but i would still god especially with you Ferrari, I would love to. I, 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 that I mean, you are. Let me get my fucking mechanic gloves on and get in there. I would. And, I would really if, love if, to if this thing can do right this on Cheerios and fucking Pop Tarts <laughs> and do what he's done. Well, you badmouth the Kellogg industry. Oh my god! Like if I could get my hands under that fucking hood, boy. Like, dude, you don't want to get hurt, dude. Don't you? Don't you bring up more horsepower? I can fucking squeeze out of that thing. I guarantee you. Damn, dude. And it's more about it's more about it's more about this though. You know, it's the combining. Of dude, this you can because... win McDonald's for life to get on this train. <laughs> oh my God, <laughs> this fucking guy. Because it's the combination of of, of high all performance of it. hunter, ultra performance hunter, right? Like op- yeah. fully optimal performance hunter, and it's just it's the the realization of like when you're chasing trophies, like I've done, like you've done, yeah, and you don't have happiness being on the podium or thinking that this was going to feel this certain way, but then it's not, or you finish the race and you're fucking depressed or you finish the competition and you're fucking depressed, Jake, multiple times. And it didn't do it for me. Why? Because this wasn't right. Because this wasn't right. And why weren't they right? Cause I was focused on the wrong fucking thing. I was focused on the external. I was not nourishing my spirituality and myself physically with the right stuff. And now that's what I'm saying is that I'm doing and that's how I've refound this sense of wholesomeness. And it fucking absolutely starts with the diet. Do I still slip and struggle and dip into things and like enjoy them in the moments? Yeah, of course. But man, the feeling that knocks me off course and being able to understand my physiology inside and feel the repercussions of those decisions or consequences, it's fucking real. You know, like, the elevated consciousness that is obtained through this type of eating, these type of habits, is fucking age old. What are the three things that every great stoic, intellectual, thought leader, and theologian have used throughout history to find elevated states of consciousness? Three things. Prolonged fasting, extended treks, and isolation. So back to Hunter's talk about isolation. Yeah, like it's crazy that to think the hole, the shoe, the isolation or you know, solitary confinement is the ultimate form of punishment in our prison system. Yet that is the ultimate form or place of liberation to the right mind, right? Mm-hmm. Extended treks, you're talking about being on those bike rides and having those high moments of, of peak experience, right? Where you're tapping into something within yourself that you're unable to do during a fucking wad. Like me this morning, we're doing uh, 50 doubles, 30 cows row, uh, 15 front squats and then 15 strict handstand pushups and then basically doing a chipper of that. So 50, 30, then 10, 10, 50, 30, five, five, increasing on the weight of the front squat. I'm not fucking thinking about my stoicism and like enlightenment during that. You can't, man. You have to focus on the task at hand there because if you don't, you can get fucking hurt, right? But when you're on a steady state, not that it's not intense, but a steady state, you know, bike ride or a long run, that's the flow. That's the, the, the headspace that you're able to tap into because you've got that cocktail of epinephrine, norepinephrine going on, coming through you, like serotonin, dopamine, and all these 
literally sim, you know, drug profile or profile as, as drugs running through you that you have those moments naturally. of enlightenment. Yeah, naturally. That aren't probably flatlined through extremely poor sleep, eating, and uh, you know, no, that's based they're being naturally released and secreted the way they're supposed to. And your cortisol is like super fucking low because you're comfortable, confident, and happy, right? As opposed to most people walk around and why cortisol is assumed to be the stress hormone. It's not necessarily the stress hormone. It's the alert hormone. No. But for most people, we're just so fucking wired all the time because we're processing information constantly, overly having to process information. We never get to rest. We never get to break. So we're always in that highly cortisol state. It's this fucking thing. You guys want to know what I just did? Thing. I just bought a BlackBerry. It just arrived at my house. So I'm literally <laughs> going to... I'm going to keep this on me at all times, like in a backpack so I can film and post and stuff like that. But the rest of my life is going to be done with a BlackBerry. So you can either text me. You know, a BlackBerry still has capabilities of. of yeah, but I'm not going to. I mean, it's fucking annoying. What am I going to look on like a one inch screen and look? Scroll <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm going I'm going fucking carrier, carrier pigeons. I'm going carrier pigeons. Dude, and hopefully you reach that point. I'm so close. Our literally our businesses in probably the next 18 months will be so powerful that I will not necessarily ever not have to ever work again, but I will not have to work in the capacity that I do now where I'm just like constantly doing the dance monkey dance routine. I love it. I, I, I built this life for myself. I'm not going to bitch that I'm here, but I have to be the smart enough person to get out. Uh, it's like being on the Titanic. Like the Titanic was awesome, but not building life rafts properly. So you can get out of there <laughs> when the shit hits the fan. Yeah, like, that's yeah. on you. And I'm developing life rafts right now that life is going to be, fantastic so i don't know man i feel like there's so much more we can talk about you've actually been the longest podcast we've ever done by 30 minutes and i've <laughs> got to i've got to cap this thing um just because i have to go to the next call but uh let's do this again let's i feel like we've again. just scratched the surface of what your intention was we did an introduction show now we can do a part two with you and dig in deeper with some of the um the methods and some of the directions that you're going with uh so I i'm interested I hope somebody else was interested by this. I mean, I, I started this show because I wanted to stay connected with some of the most impressive people in my phone book. And I wanted to have real conversations with them rather than stare at their fucking pictures on the internet. So um, I'm so, glad that we did this, dude. Me too, brother. Thank yeah. you. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Where can people find you? Lifelikejake.com. And then on Instagram is probably me being my most personal and outgoing, sharing a lot. Uh, at Life Like Jake, same handle, same tag, and also on YouTube, same channel. I like the sounds of it. All right, everybody, uh, if you guys are tuning in, obviously, uh, I want to thank Ryan for setting this up as always. Yeah, thanks, Big Ryan. supporter of everything that we do is through house training. We've been able to, you know, basically bring people to Pinnacle Fitness around the world. And if you want to be one of the next ones, check us out. And obviously, I'm very grateful for my team over in the UK. has been really pushing really hard for builders' developments and here in the United States. So I want to thank both those brands for helping fuel the fire that we use every single day for this company. So, um, guys, thank you so much for contributing. Thug love, I'm out. Boys, I'll see you on the flip. That's great. See you on the flippity flip. That was damn good, boy.